Good morning, Freedom Center. Good to see you guys. I, you know, I've never played um, Santa before this year, and it's a trip because there are those that that believe and are greatly afraid, and there are those that don't believe. And I, I there's this one kid. He's probably 13 years old, had special needs, and. He came out and he saw me, and, and so we were, he's like, hey, like we're old friends, Santa. Unfortunately, he was wearing a Michigan State hat. And so I said, I understand that you like Michigan State. Well, I'm more of a Michigan fan myself. Why is it you like, why is it you like Michigan State? He said, because I'm an American Santa. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I said, well, would you mind if, if I pray for you before I go? And he said, you believe in God? I said, of course I believe in God. I of course, I, where do you think my love comes from? Where do you think I, God, you know, so I, I'm trying to make this guy, like, really put the saint in St. Nick, you know what I mean? And uh, we have to go, he doesn't want to let us go. I said, I have to. There's a radio tower behind his house, and there's a red light at the top. I said, here comes Rudolph now. Santa has to go. And he turns around and sees a red light. He looks at me, and he goes, that's a radio tower. So anyway, <laughs> it, was, it was great. I had a little boy pull up during the eco outreach, and uh, I said, ho, ho, how the heck are you, or whatever, you know, and, and, and he said, yeah, I can see the plastic strap holding on your facial hair. I said, you busted me, I'm not really Santa, because I knew it, I said, yeah, I'm the tooth fairy. He said, really? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He said, prove it. I said, well, there's my reindeer right there. He looked, and I just walked away. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we all get gifts, and I want to say good morning to everybody online today. We want to do something real quick. What was the most meaningful gift of, of 2020's Christmas? And I, I, I have one. I, meaning has a different meaning to everybody. So three years ago, the, the doctor tells me I'll be blind in five years. Um, my, my eyes are self-destructing for whatever reason at the time, and uh, I'm preparing for that. But I've had a bucket list. I remember the movie The Bucket List. I want to be a consistent 1,000-yard shooter. I've always enjoyed shooting sports. And so three years ago, my family got me a sniper rifle. How many guys know your pastor can pick you off from a long... I mean, can, can, sit, can tell who you are in a crowd. And, uh, but this year, the, the winner of this year, this came from my parents in Florida. I suspect my mom was behind it. I wanted to share it with all of you. My mom sees her little boy as the Sermonator. Thanks, Mom. I don't know where or when I'm going to wear this because I'm not sure everybody would get it, but the sermon, your little sermonator is alive and well. And if you're on social media today or you're watching us on live stream, just this is the most meaningful gift of 2020 was this. And uh, we'll all enjoy watching that together. So let's wrap up our series. You guys ready to get in the Word today? Open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to go all the way from Genesis to Revelation in the next 15 minutes. Some of you guys think we can do that. Very quickly, right? So we talked about what God did because we needed him to do it. We talked about what God did in you last week, the inward kingdom, what it means to be born again, and just the beauty of a new creation. It's awesome. And then uh, today we're going to talk about the kingdom through you, that, that, that understanding that the kingdom of God, and I, you got to hear me, the kingdom of God is not just about you. Uh, if you want to be blessed, then read all, all the verses and live all the verses on your blessing. And, and I'm telling you what, you will be blessed. You'll walk in a blessing. You read the book of Revelation, Ron, <laughs> you're, you're yawning already. I called you Ron again, two weeks in a row. Rob, quit yawning. And, but if you want to be blessed, what you got to do, just, just read it and do it. The book of Revelation said, blessed are those who read this, so read it. You'll be blessed. But I want you to know this. A double blessing doesn't come because you're blessed. It comes because your blessing becomes a blessing. And, and if you just got through Christmas, 
One of, one of the first most magical Christmases I've ever had in my life as a grandparent. Last year, they were two and blob, and this year, they're like one and three. So everything's magical again, and the puppies are running, and the paper's flying, and, and Gammy's playing loudly on the floor with the babies, and it's awesome, right? So I want you to think about this. The blessing of giving those gifts was greater than the blessing of receiving those gifts. Does that make sense? So here's, here's one of the issues, and I want you to hear me. One of the troubles, one of the problems, one of the issues we will face as believers, hear me, there will be a growing dissatisfaction with a Christianity that ends with your blessing. There will be a growing dissatisfaction. At some point or another, you're going to say, is this all there is? I mean, I'm not smoking, I'm not chewing, I'm not running with girls that do, but there just feels like there should be more. And we can sometimes mistake that and go, well, I'm just not being fed and go to 17 different churches and deal with the same thing. Well, it must be my friendships. I need a different life group. Maybe I started a Bible study. Maybe I learned more, did more, prayed more. Hear me. What, what happens is at some point you become full and you need to spill. And the blessing of the overflow actually increases the inflow of Christ in your life. You are to be a, a conduit through which heaven flows. There's a commission. It's not just you being blessed. And by the way, God loves blessing you, but he wants you to be a blessing. The greatest blessing in the world is not receiving, it's giving. So today we're going to talk about the outward kingdom, giving away what God gave you, the stuff that God puts inside of you, your time, your talents, your treasures, your anointings, your giftings, your faith that you get to share with others. So let's start at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. I love that. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Look at this. God did what? Let's say it again. God what? God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now, I want you to notice, God didn't command them. God blessed them. Hear me. Some of what God gives us to do is not a commandment. It's a blessing. God just gave Adam and Eve purpose. It's nice to sit in the garden. It's, it's nice to name the animals. It's nice to walk around as newlyweds and not have to wear clothes. It's, it's, it's nice to have perfect weather. All the single people went, did you just say that? Yes, I did, but I'm married. It's, it's, it's nice, but understand this, that it's an incomplete blessing. When they were blessed, they weren't actually as blessed as they could be. And so he created a destiny. He created a purpose. He said, point your finger in any direction. Adam, he point in any direction. 25,000 miles in every direction, there's a world that is untamed. There's mountains to be climbed, there's deserts to be crossed, there's swamps to be discovered. There's the depths of the ocean that's twice as tall as the mountains you climb. And all of it, all of it belongs to you. Fill it, enjoy it, subdue it, rule over the birds and the animals and the fish and the land. I, I put the dot, dot, dot because the rule over is like 14 verses long. What he's saying is this, I am giving you, I give you today a blessing. I give you the blessing of, of a place, a task, and an authority. Now hear me. In your walk with Christ, are you guys still here? There's more than just the good feeling we get in worship. There's more than just the good feeling we get on Christmas morning. There's more than just the good feeling we get when we feel the presence of God when we pray, when we hug our kids and they hug us back. There's more to that. And you have to hear this. Your life walking with Christ will be unfulfilled until you do what he's commanded you to do, until you live as he's shown you to live. When, when Satan comes into the situation of these blessed, destined, anointed, authoritative, commissioned people, he deceives them. And in essence, they end up basically worshiping him. They, they said what God said was good, but what he said is better. They turn their back on God. They turn to the lie. And when they do so, they hand the keys. Everything God gave them, they turn over to the liar. 
and, and mankind goes through kind of an interesting phase, if that makes sense. Because now, um, it, it, the Bible says this in Genesis, it said, that time men began to call on the name of the Lord. Now, that, that sounds noble, it sounds good, but understand this, before that time, they didn't have to call out and say, God, where are you? But now for generation after generation after, I mean, there's the occasional prophet, there's the occasional law, there's the occasional priest, there's the occasional king, but by and large, men are, are without that daily fellowship with Christ. It's lost. What happened was everything God gave them in authority, in relationship, in intimacy, he said, this is like, like it was a key. Here's the key. This unlocks every door, everywhere. You're blessed, and I give you the desire to go, and you have purpose in your life, and here it is. And then Satan came and said, well, you think that's all God's got? I mean, he's keeping the best stuff from you. They said, really? And he said, well, yeah, if you just give me what he gave you, I'll give you what he could never give you. And they believed him, and they handed over, if you will, again, a metaphor, but the key to their destiny and their purpose and their anointing and their walk with God. And when Satan got it, they realized they believed a liar, and now they were slaves. And they no longer held the key to their own life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, now they're not in control. So they start to call out, God! God! And no one said anything back. So a prophet comes along and says, well, this is what God says. Go, okay, okay. Usually what the prophet told everybody to do was repent because you're all so far from God, you're a bunch of boneheads. So it's not really a good news kind of a prophet thing, right? When prophets showed up, it wasn't like, yay, God's going to speak. It's like, all right, who done it? I hope it's not me. Uh, it's the woman you gave me. It's, you know, it's my son. It's... So when, when God shows up, there isn't this joy. They're crying out for him, but mostly when they're in trouble. And God's answering from time to time through laws and through prophecies, but not through relationship. Understand this, guys. You were created to have a relationship with your creator. That's why he made you in his image. That's why he loves you. That's why you're commanded to love him. Mankind is, is he lost that place and that blessing, and he moves forward as best he can. But then, everybody say then. Merry Christmas. Jesus takes on flesh, which is huge. And I, and I don't have time to go into the deep theological truth of this, but hear me. God's first son, Adam, sinned because he believed a lie. God's first son, Adam, and his wife, Eve, sinned when they decided that what Satan was offering them was better than what God was offering them. And they turned their back on God, and they turned their faith. They put their faith in what Satan said. So when Jesus comes, he is, if you will, the second Adam. Are you getting that? Romans calls him that. Ephesians calls him that. Galatians calls him that. There's a second Adam. So we're going to try this again. But this time, the Son of God is also God. And that gets a little complicated theologically, but God the Father, help me out, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So God the Son, the, the, the second part of the Godhead, of the Trinity, takes on flesh. Why flesh? Why doesn't he just sit on top of a burning mountain and give more laws? Because they didn't need the laws that caused them to be righteous. They needed someone righteous to come and die for those who'd broken the law. So he takes on flesh. And this is what happens. Look at this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and what? The Word was Who? Now, who's the Word? It tells us in verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus takes on, now hear me, this is important. He, he comes into this world as we come into this world. He, he has all the frailties. He gets tired. He gets hungry. He gets hangry. How many of you guys got that one? What time's dinner? It's like 4 o'clock, but we're still going to have a light lunch. So by 4 o'clock, you can like eat the furniture, right? And the kids and the noise and the dog. Was, I just, I just, how many of you guys just need turkey? Sometimes you just need it. So that's, that's, but he had all those things, right? And in Matthew chapter 4, he's placed in a very vulnerable position. He's baptized in water. 
that you hear the Father say, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. The Spirit of God descends on him. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then God, by the Spirit, calls him out into the wilderness. And for 40 days, he doesn't eat anything. And it says at the end of the 40 days, he was hungry. Now, that may sound like an understatement. At the end of 40 minutes, I'm hungry. How many of you guys have been fasting between meals for years? And, and it's hard to do that between meals. 40 days. You know, Monday go, turns into next Monday, turns into next Monday, turns into next Monday, and you're halfway there. 40 days. He's drinking water, and all of a sudden the devil pops up when he's, he's not just hungry. When, when you fast after about three or four days, hunger generally goes away. But then later on, as you begin to starve, as your body starts to consume itself, hunger comes back. But it's not appetite. And there's a, it's hard to describe, but there's a difference between being hungry, having appetite, and actually being starving. Starving is extraordinarily painful. It's all you can think about. It's all you dream of when you're awake, when you're asleep. I've read the journals of starving people, um, the, the past in Oregon, the, uh, oh, the guy that did the South Pole exploration, Shackleton. And man, all they talk about is just food, food, think about food, talk about food, food, food. They're starving and their body's starting to eat itself. Working with starving people in Haiti, all they think about is food, food, starving, starving. And so the devil shows up and goes, hey, let's talk about something. And here's the, here's the second Adam being tempted by the first devil. Does this make sense? Here we go again. He passes, he fails. It's all or nothing. It's binary. He's going to win, he's going to lose. Right here, right now. And the devil goes, I, I'm going to hit you where you're weak. You remember when mom used to make those rolls? You know those rolls, the ones where you cut them and the steam came off? And grandma, because grandma didn't care about cholesterol because she was raised in a different day, she didn't bring butter by the stick. She brought it by the pound. And you'd slather that butter on it. And sometimes it was in the morning. You had a fresh cup of coffee. You put some, like, homemade preserves on there, your blackberries or straw, and you put it on. Remember, remember what that was like? And Jesus, I could just see it like. And, and basically saying this, why don't you take from my hand? You wouldn't be the first one. Why don't you just receive from me? Why don't you just, and this is what Jesus says, it's that man should not live by bread alone, even grandma's bread. Even Judy Sevier's sticky rolls. I sent her a text the other day. I said, I don't know what's in these, but I need to go to rehab after this because I, I cannot stop thinking about them. And I love Pastor Ken's retort. He said, I didn't get this body by eating broccoli. I love that. That was, that was a great, that was, my wife came to the kitchen the other day. I was like snorting a line of sticky rolls. I'm like, I, I need help. I just need help. You know, there's a problem. Jesus goes, we're not going to live by that, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, God told me to stop eating, and I won't eat again until my father says go. You don't, tell, you don't bless me. He blesses me. He's my portion. And, and the next temptation. And the next temptation. And Jesus defeats Satan. Every place mankind has been defeated, Jesus defeated for mankind every temptation of the devil. Do you see this? He's perfect in every way. Jesus defeats Satan, defeats all his temptations, and he shows us our assignment. When he comes out of that experience, empowered by the Spirit, this is his message. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, change your mind, change your ways. Don't, don't see it the way you've seen it. See, see what is to be seen differently. Don't see what you've seen. Don't, don't get stuck in the, the bread and the jelly. Don't get stuck in the, the shortcuts. See, repent and see what God shows you. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's right in front of you. You grabbed it. If you reached out, you'd be able to take hold of it. When we repent and grasp the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, we become a part of God's solutions on earth. Somebody say solutions. This is what I'm trying to get to. When you are part of the problem, it feels empty. When you're a part of the problem, it's just nine to five dissatisfying black coffee, Monday through Friday, just, 
he who dies with the most toys wins, but I have more toys than I did last year, and I'm still no more satisfied than I was a year ago. I still have my issues, my tempers, my temptations. I just, but when you give your life to Jesus, and I, and I want you to hear me. I'm not talking about religion right now. I'm talking about destiny and purpose. I'm talking about relationship that produces the fruit of a meaningful life and an eternal life, by the way. But when Jesus comes into the picture, and you've got to hear me, all of a sudden, it goes from the 9 to 5 black coffee Monday through Friday to something that has purpose in it. When we grasp that I am a part of God's domain, the kingdom, the domain, the, the dominant kingdom, the, 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 oh, I don't know what to say, the domain of the king, but the kingdom. Does that make sense? The domain of the king, kingdom, does that make sense? When we become a part of that, we are now on this earth for a very different purpose than nine to five in a black coffee. He who dies with the most toys wins. Now our life is about bringing heaven's solutions to mankind's problems. And when you meet those needs, you should say, why is Dina so emotional? First of all, she's married to me. And she's had 10 months locked in a house with me. You'd be crying too. But you notice when she cries? And I, I, this isn't part of my plan, so I do this poorly. Just forgive me in advance. If I make you cry, we all understand. She cries when she talks about people with needs being met, not just about needs. Does that make sense? She cries talking about 2020 because she's seen the great need in a way that really, until she became executive director of operations, she would have heard about, but she wouldn't have been the solution to. She cries because something in God is moving in, in something in Dina. How many guys believe God weeps? He has a broken heart for a lot of things. And one of the greatest investments he can make in mankind is by taking a piece of his broken heart and entrusting it to a man or to a woman that he can trust. And when you see the solution, when you feel the need, you cry. But when you see the solution, you cry harder. True or false? Every time that little skinny guy that knows carpentry says, bus driver, move that bus. You don't know the lady. You're not going to live in that house. You don't even care who's behind the wheel of the bus. But when it moves and you see the look on her face, you start crying. Why? Because there's something about that moment where, where need becomes satisfied, where problem becomes solution, where hunger becomes meat, where, where Christmas morning becomes slathered in sticky rolls and butter that makes you know it's for this purpose I was created. The greatest blessing of all is being a blessing. And our prayer becomes this. And he teaches us just two chapters later. When we're praying, our Father in heaven, man, we worship you. Hallowed is your name. But here's our prayer now. Your kingdom, what? Your will be done on as it is in we're a conduit. Now compare that to the original blessing to, to, to fill the earth, increase the number, uh, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, rule over. You, there are so many similarities to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near and, and this, this other part here where he's talking about your kingdom come in Genesis 128. In other words, what's happening is this. What was lost because man turned their back on God and trusted Satan, now that we turn our back on Satan and trust God, we get our stuff back. We, we are not just forgiven to be good kids. We are forgiven to be heirs of God, co-heirs of Christ. In other words, whatever is in the Father's heart becomes a part of our heart. We best display hearing. I, I just want to say this so, I just want to scream it, but I have to find a better way. Christianity is not about morality. I would just say this. If you want to stop a habit in 2021, forget about coming out of and start pressing into what God's calling you into. When you are utterly consumed with doing the do's, you will find how shockingly distant doing the don'ts are. But we focus on, hey, don't do this. Let's do an experiment right now. Whatever you do, don't. Like nobody in this room right now for 10 seconds. If you can just do this for 10 seconds, it'll change the world. Ready? Whatever you do, don't think about penguins. Now, what did you just do? 
What did you just picture? Some of you thought about he's got a Tennessee tuxedo and he's got on a bow tie. Some of you thought about the Detroit Zoo. Some of you thought about the smell in the penguin house at the Detroit Zoo. Some of you thought about the Antarctica with Sir Charles, what's his face? And the male of the species jumps it, right? But you all thought about penguins. But if I said, listen, let's talk about giraffes. Yeah, aren't their necks awesome? What do you think the spots are all about? Well, if they got into a fight, would it look like a big, long sword fight with heads on the other? And what we've done is for the, ne- for the last five seconds, we haven't thought about penguins because we've been talking about giraffes. You want to come out of, go into. You want to come out of something, go into something greater that God is calling you to than the things he's calling you out of. Jesus does this, right? He gives us the great commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. What's he saying? Remember those keys you gave to Satan? I snatched him back out of his cold, dead hand. But I defeated him on the cross. How many of you guys know that if Satan would have known that crucifying Jesus would have redeemed the world, he'd have killed anybody that tried to kill Jesus? He fell for, like, the oldest trick in the book, the hero laying down his life, jumping on the grenade for the, for the, for the guilty. And what he does, he makes the world, those who believe, innocent of their sins. He came into our place and suffered our fate so we could go into his place and suffer his or enjoy his. And in doing so, the original mandate is restored. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. In other words, the devil doesn't have authority anymore. Now, he still has some power, but there's power. If, If I cut a branch off a tree, it still has some power, but it's dying because it's been disconnected from the source of life. When Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave, snip, and the vine that is the devil, in this metaphor, it is turning brown. It is surely, oh, no, no. It's the worst days of our lives. Stop it. God is on a roll, man. You don't believe me? Talk to my crying wife. Jesus is doing stuff. He's doing stuff through people who recognize the days in which we live, and they're exercising the gifts that God has given us. Because of this, in effect, guys, we get back our blessing, our place. We get back our task. We get back our authority. And then, everybody say, and then. God gives us his Holy Spirit. So we're, we're, we're not like Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. We get to be Adam and Eve every day, every moment. God inside of us. So we get the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1.8, he says, listen, I'm going to give you power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses. In Acts 2.4, that happens, and it's kind of the birthday of the church, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. God fills these people, and a guy who was ashamed to talk about Jesus in front of a servant girl just a couple weeks prior to that is now proclaiming Jesus Christ is Lord in front of thousands in the temple, surrounded by guards and Pharisees and Sadducees, but he's displaying the power of God. And then it tells us this at the end of the book, uh, at the end of chapter 2, that this gift is for you. It's for your children. It's for those who are far off. It's for as many whom our Lord, our God, shall call. In other words, this is not a momentary, one-time thing. This is normal Christianity, to be recommissioned, to be empowered, and to be sent. Are you still here? Say amen. Listen, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. Just do this. Just do what Jesus did. You know, theology is so complicated. I had this, this kid in my youth group back years ago, uh, and her name's Heather, and sometimes she watches. So I Heather, I love you. This is a great story. Don't hold this against me. You were a kid. You're a woman of God now, but you used to be a loser. But don't hold that against me. No. But she, she joined this program for three weeks. We're going to do this. It was called the Fire Institute. One of the disciplines was, and you're not a loser. You're awesome. One of the disciplines was you had to share your faith with somebody every day. Three days into it, she calls me. I quit. Why? She goes, I just, this whole faith thing. Like, I just, I said, Heather, just find a way. Just get it trapped. Go in the ladies' room, roll down some toilet paper, roll the track up in the toilet paper. And I promise you, when it drops out, someone's going to read what fell out of the toilet paper. How many of you guys, if it falls out of the toilet paper, you're going to look at it. You know, maybe, yeah. 
I'm not going to even consider what the other option was, but I, uh, maybe. I'll just start there. Leave, leave a track with a good tip. Do it, whatever you got to do, but just share your face. No, I said, I'll be over in five minutes. We ended up walking out of the park. Just somebody's walking by. Hey, you know, let me talk to you about Jesus. She was a, a witch. It was a really lively conversation. We spent an hour talking about Jesus and talking about Wiccan and talking about, you know. Then share, can I pray with you? She said, no. I said, I'm going to pray for you anyway. I'm like, As you walk away, I'm praying over you. So we prayed over her, and, you know. But not that fun? She's like, no, that wasn't fun. That was terrifying. What's the matter with you? It's like, I don't know. I, some people like to hunt ducks, and some people like to pet them. I don't, I don't know, but that was fun. That was good. And, she's, I, and this was, she said, I just want to live a normal Christian life. I said, I dare you to read the book of Acts and find out what a normal Christian life is. She read the book of Acts. She came back. She goes, I don't want to be a normal Christian. <laughs> I, I want to be an American Christian. I said, no, come on. I don't know what that means, but it sounds insulting, right? But she used to say, it's too complicated. Listen, theology is not complicated. You ready? Here's, the, here's perfect theology. You ready? Just do your best to do what Jesus did. Piano guy, join me if you would. Just do your best to do what Jesus did. Just do your best to talk like he talked. Do your best to walk like he walked. Do, do your best to pray like he prayed. Do your best to trust like he trusts. And I can hear people saying, well, I, what, if, what if I pray and God doesn't answer the prayer? What if I try and I fail? What if I share my faith and the person asks me a question, I don't know the answer and I look like a complete idiot? What if, what if in attempting to be a blessing, I, I look stupid? And can I just say this? And hear the heart behind this. And one way or another, to just about every person you know, you look stupid already. If you're a Michigan State fan, I'm sorry. If you're an Ohio State fan, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. If you have a fake tree and you call it Christmas, I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm sorry, we have two fake trees. So we have two fake trees, that's okay, right? But this is, this is what I will tell you about theology. And, and I mean that. Just do your best to do what Jesus did. But this is what I want to teach you about theology. You ready? Um, don't create a theology around what God hasn't done yet in your life. The best piece of advice I can give you about theology is study the Word of God, see the heart of Jesus, read the Beatitudes, the whole Sermon on the Mount thing. You'll be miles ahead. And just, just do what you read. Just do what you see. Just do what you hear. See those that are doing it and say, how do you do it? Buy them a cup of coffee and sit down with them or whatever. It's good to have you know, mentors and tormentors that are alive, not just those who have been dead for a couple thousand years, right? Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you what you don't know and lead you where you've never been and give you a boldness and a power to be Christ's witness on earth. That's, that's all really legitimate stuff. But, but at the end, if you know, like I, I tried and it didn't work, don't create a theology around what didn't work. Form your theology around what God has said, around what God has given, and around what Jesus did every day. And when you, when you do that, what you'll find is, I prayed for 10 people and nobody got healed. And a year later, I prayed for 10 people and one got healed. And a year later, I prayed for 10 people and eight got healed. And I, I, I prayed for 100 people. And I, you see what I'm saying? Like, we don't, we don't look at children learning how to walk as failures when they can't do it at first. It's, it's incumbent upon those that love the child to create an atmosphere that says, come here, we encourage. Walk to daddy, walk to daddy, plop. Ooh, ooh, sorry, daddy wasn't looking. The Lions scored their one and only touchdown. I was watching at the moment. Turn around. Plop. Mommy catches. You know what I mean? Because mommy doesn't like football. What I'm saying is this. We create an atmosphere around the process of maturity and growth and learning that provides grace for failure. You get one question wrong on a test. You don't fail the test because it's not a one-question test. It's a hundred-question test. 
You got a 99. If you focus on, if you form a theology around the one answer you got wrong, you'll never take another test as long as you live. And you miss out on, the, on all the beauty of the 99 you got right. Live what Jesus lived and trust the Lord that he's going to teach you how to walk. Last thing is this. Can I just say one last thought? How many of you guys got, give me two more minutes. Here's my gift. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Good. All right. That back row, that was, you meant that. I appreciate that. That was awesome. That was awesome. I think, I think most people who repent, repent enough to see forgiveness, but they don't repent enough to see the kingdom. I think that's fairly common. You agree with that or disagree with that? I, mean, I, I think most people, I trust that Jesus is forgiving my sins and I, I forgave me and forgives me of my sin. But, but now the healing thing, wow. Now the, now the trusting thing, now the passing the test thing. Now the, I think most people repent enough to be forgiven. Most people who repent, repent enough to be forgiven. You agree with that? But I just know that the, what Jesus restored was not just the mercy of God to forgive sins. It was the purpose of God to live a life of meaning. And so if all we focus on is the mediation, remediation of sin, then, then the blood of Jesus becomes sin management. When you're not supposed to be constantly managing the problem, you're supposed to be sent as the solution. And if you want to be satisfied in your walk with Christ... Maybe instead of focusing on the things you should, should get rid of in 2020, that would come out of, if we began to focus on what we're walking into, how many guys know no one wanted to live in the wilderness? They didn't want to be in Egypt. God put them in the wilderness. Why? Because it's a season where stuff that doesn't trust God dies. Maybe you're in that season right now where the stuff that doesn't trust God is dying. Well, you can go back to Egypt. Slavery's waiting for you. Pharaoh will take you back. Or you can begin to focus your eyes on a land that flows with milk and honey. You can start to think about what's going to happen with the giants that are in that land right now and the battles God's going to have to win. You're either a, a fighter or a flighter, right? But you can't sit still long. That, I, and I, I told you this proverb from, from my ancient past, from the King Jim Version, that he who sits on the fence gets splinters on his butt. I, I think some of you guys, you walk funny for a reason. Your walk with Christ is funny for a reason. It's time to get off the fence. I don't, I, theology, the Bible, so it's not complicated. Read what Jesus did in like three chapters, the entire Sermon on the Mount. If you had nothing else in Scripture, that would take you the rest of your life. Just get the Sermon on the Mount right. And you'll be born again. You'll be spirit-filled. You'll have a meaningful life. You'll walk in destiny. You'll love your neighbor. You'll forgive your enemy. You'll be a great parent. You'll be a great grandparent. You'll, you'll be a great brother, a great sister. You'll be light. You'll be salt. You'll be the answer to I mean, you'll have a fulfilling life. But for those of you that are using the blood of Jesus to manage sin, I can see where that would get old after a while. I'm doing all the do's. I'm abstaining from most of the don'ts. And it still feels empty. Jesus is not the problem. By the way, Jesus is not going to move to where you are to solve the problem. You're going to have to move to where Jesus is for the problem to be solved. And that's why I'll say in closing, repent. Change your mind. Change your position. Change your thinking. Change your posture. Because if you would reach out right now, you could grab a hold of the kingdom of heaven and pull it in and send it out. And this is a much more meaningful life than, than this or this. So Father, I pray for this congregation in the closing moments of our time together in 2020. Some of us hated this year and some of us never felt more alive. Some of us both. Those who never felt more alive, I promise you it's because they were meeting needs as you gave them the ability to meet those needs. And those who hated it, 
you're just waiting for a, a normal to come back that I, I don't think is coming back. I hate to say that, but I don't think what we call normal is ever coming back. And I'm happy for that. You break a new ground, expanding. In, in, a, in a year, you got rid of what would have taken the church 30 years to get rid of on its own. And we just suffered every day that we used what was old. Thank you for bringing what is new because there's more. There's more in 2021. There is more in 2021. And I pray, God, that you would help us to see now that those who lock their doors and just stay at home and hope the wolf goes away, they live a very different life than those who kick open doors and rescue people from wolves. I pray, God, over this this family that if there's anybody here today that just, they don't know you, my prayer, your, your prayer is that they would. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're here, you're like, you know what, I, when you talk about a meaningless life, you talk about an emptiness in my own faith following Christ, I get that. I, I just said the other day, or I was just thinking in the shower, I just, I just heard a, someone say, and I, I, I couldn't refute their, their negative comment. Listen, Christianity is not about managing sin and increasing morality. Christianity is about being like Jesus on this earth. It's an outward kingdom, an outward focus. If you're here today, you're like, I'm not right with God. Because that's the deal. I, I don't even know I'm forgiven. I know, I know I've been focused inward. and I, I, I'm going to start by changing my mind, by repenting, because what God has for me is so close, so near. God, I pray, give them the courage to respond in faith today to your salvation, to the infilling of your spirit, and to the purpose for which they were created. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're like, listen, I need that. I need mercy from God. I need purpose restored. I need power infused. If any of those are true, we don't need to delineate, but if any of those, I need need the power of the Holy Spirit to live like Jesus lived. I need purpose restored to my life. I need God to forgive me of my sins so I can start this walk with him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Simple act of faith all over this room right now. I take all of that, God. Mercy, power, and purpose. Mercy, power, and purpose. Restored for every uplifted hand and every open heart in Jesus' name. Help us to walk from this place kind of brushing the dirt off our feet from 2020, but dreaming of killing giants in 2021, dreaming of taking new land, dreaming of expansion, dreaming of blessing, dreaming of even even just successfully mourning what we've lost. Let us dream of life as you give it. And I thank you for it. Out of has to become into, into, into the purposes of God. We commit ourselves to that now in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You good? Guys, I'm, I'm going to take some time off, so I'm not going to see you until like next year. So just stand at your feet. And please, we're going to do this together. Nobody leave quite yet. Again, zero, zero cases of transmission. How many guys are grateful for that? Not a single person has gotten sick in this room this year. I love that. Um, if you would, please gather your things because... People in orange vests and my staff and so forth, the staff, your staff, are going to be dismissing you in an orderly fashion. And we want to keep that six feet of distance between car loads just to make sure everybody's safe. So when I say go, those who are helping you are going to help you out as you exit this morning. And I think I don't think that was described. I think Dina told you. So everybody look. It's on your little card. You're leaving exit. Is this zone five here, Pastor Carl? There it is. All right. And we got one back there. And then there and there. So when I say go, those who are leading people out, lead. And your market said go. Tell them, come on, follow me, follow me in this section. 
orderly, orderly fashion. Wait to be dismissed, please, and they'll dismiss you. God bless you. Happy New Year.